Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. All right, you guys okay? Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 6. We're going to read a nice chunk of scripture this morning. So if you can turn there, Romans chapter 6. And as you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of a context. So the last week we were looking at this whole thing of coming out of living under law and coming and living under grace. We were looking at the fact that we weren't called to try in our human effort, you know, self, you know, uh, plans and 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 pulling your, your yourself up by your by your shoelaces, you know, these self-help kind of things through effort and toil, try and earn your your righteousness, try and be right with God, try and grow spiritually through self-effort. You couldn't save yourself through self-effort. In fact, your your most uh, righteous deed is considered as dung before the Lord. Right? You know this from Scripture. I'm, I'm quoting. Okay, I'm not trying to be provocative here. Okay? He says it's like filthy rags. All right? And, uh, and so you can't earn your salvation. And you can't continue in that salvation through earning it either. We got saved by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. So it's by faith that God made a plan for us in and through Jesus. And so we believe in him, so it's faith and it's his grace. So it's faith alone in his grace alone that we are saved, not in our own works. Okay? And so it's not about performance and it's not about human perfectionism. It is living in the power of the Spirit. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and help us that we might live a life that pleases the Lord. It's living in the grace of the Spirit. And that's the context now that we're coming to Romans chapter 6. I think I've given you enough time to get there. Yes? All right. Come on, tell your neighbor this is going to be good. It's going to be really good. Oh my goodness. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? Pause. We're not getting very far. Only the first verse. Okay. What's going on here? There was some crazy thinking amongst some believers because they had been forgiven much sin. And it was because there's the grace of God abounds. It's way bigger than our sin. So because of his grace, he's forgiven us of our sin, our shame, our wickedness, our past. It's by his grace that all of that has been taken away from us. They said, wow, you know, it was because I was such a big sinner that God had such big grace. I tell you what, if I sin more now, it'll cause his grace to get even bigger. I'll be helping God by sinning. Obviously that's wrong, but some people 
were deluding themselves in thinking that actually grace was a license for you to carry on sinning. I don't need to change. I don't need to do anything. You know what? I was sinning before and there was grace. So I can actually just carry on sinning now that I'm in grace. Yeah. And, and, and so Paul had to come and speak very clearly and just say, no, by no means. This is not right. This is not good thinking. Yeah. And, and he had to say it really clearly because for some people, that whole thing that I laid out there was super obvious and for other people, it's like way more subtle. You know, hey, God's grace, it's okay. Yeah, and he knows, he understands. You know, he understands our weaknesses. He understands our frailties. He understands, you know, this is my thing, you know. So nobody else knows. I'm not damaging anyone else. It's just, you know, it's just me and the screen and some people not wearing clothes doing things they shouldn't do. But hey, the grace of God is, it's okay. You know, God understands. It's, I'm cool with God. No, by no means. You know, or whatever the thing is, you know. Whatever the chain is, whatever the shackle is, whatever the bondage is, we don't excuse it by saying, well, you know, the grace of God's enough. He's saying, no ways. That's not the way to live. Okay? Okay. All right. Verse 2. By no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death has no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Not under law, but under grace. So that's what we were looking at a little bit last week. The whole thing was it's not rules and regulations and self-effort that's going to get me saved, going to cause me to be righteous, and it's going to keep me saved. It's grace. We're not under law, we're under grace. Okay, fantastic. 
So, can I take a few moments to unpack some of what Paul is saying in these verses here? If we get time and somebody manages to hold the clock for me, we might get to Colossians and dip our toes in Galatians as well. Is that all right? All depends how much I interrupt myself. Okay, so what's he saying here? He's saying, essentially, this is the good and the bad. There's no ugly here, just the good and the bad. All right. So, he's saying that human beings, as sons of Adam and Eve, because of the fall, have a sinful nature. And when you have a sinful nature, you do sinful deeds because you are enslaved to sin. Sin is your master. You're a slave. The devil, sin, is your master. And you obey and you do whatever your sinful desires want you to do. And you actually don't really have much of a choice because you're enslaved to it. Yeah? And when we turn to God, we put our faith in Him, we become born again. Certain things happen in that born again experience. A number of things. Firstly, we have to have faith. We have to believe that Jesus is God, the Son of God, and that Jesus paid the price. And that he had the ability on the cross to remove all of my sin and all of my shame, wickedness, all of these things. The cross was that powerful to deal with all of that. Yes? So I have to believe. Right? Then I have to repent. And repent means to turn. All right? So I turn away from sin and I turn towards God. So it's a turning. I used to do things the devil's way. Now I do things God's way. That is repent. Sometimes it involves a lot of tears and stuff running out your nose. Okay? But that is mostly recognizing remorse. And there's a big difference between remorse and repentance. People can be sorry for what they've done, but they don't change. Domestic abuse, domestic violence. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. I'm so sorry. And what do they do? They do it again. Remorse is not the same as repentance. Okay? Repentance is you actually change your belief system and you change your behavior as a result of changing your belief system. Is this good? So it's faith, it's repentance, it's also water baptism. Yeah? On the day of Acts, they cry out to Peter, preach this massive sermon, and the people cry out, what must we do to be saved? It says, repent, believe, be baptized. 
So there's a being baptized in water is part of this thing being saved. It says, and then you will be filled with the Spirit. Okay? So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, all right, the breath of God, the pneuma, okay, we get pneumatic from it. Pneuma is the Greek for air, it's spirit. And so the pneuma of, of God, the Spirit of God comes inside of us. We get filled, baptized with the Spirit, and we begin to speak the language of heaven. Because we're engaging with the atmosphere of heaven. So in that environment, they speak a different language. And so we get the language of heaven, tongues. All right. Now, the water baptism part is actually super, super interesting. And Paul unpacks some of the spiritual truths of what takes place when we go through water baptism. So in this process of conversion, what's happening is that we die to self. All right? We identify with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And think about it when you go into the water of baptism. You identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So we're identifying with Christ because we're in him as we put our faith in him. We recognize that the old man, the old self, has been crucified with Christ has been buried in the waters of baptism. Here he is in the coffin. He's dead. All right? So the old man is dead. It says that because Christ is alive, we too then have been made alive in Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's now Christ who's living in me. I am a new creation in Christ. Behold, the old has gone and the new has come. Yeah? So far we good? Okay. And this new creation in Christ, my spirit has been made alive to God. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden? Okay. Not that we were there, but we read. Okay, because it was a long, long time ago. In the Garden of Eden, God says to, to Adam and Eve, you'll see this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, listen, you guys are happy, have a fun time, look after all the animals, play nice, and um, you can eat anything. Listen, the pantry's yours, go for it, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you eat of that, you will surely die. Okay, so did Adam and Eve drop dead with one bite of the fruit? Okay, this is not a Snow White story. One bite of the apple and you're down. Okay, no, but God doesn't lie. So physically, they didn't die. But what happened? Their spirit was disconnected from God. They died spiritually in their relationship with God. And it's only when we're born again are we 
resurrected, made alive, our spirit is made alive in Christ. Our spirit was dead, but now it's been made alive. Woohoo! Now our spirit can communicate with the Holy Spirit, and His spirit is dwelling in me. Jesus lives in me by and through the spirit. And it's the spirit then who's leading and guiding me and causing me to live a life that pleases God. My spirit yields to Holy Spirit. So that's why one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. I'm bringing my whole self under the control of the spirit. And that looks like fruit. This is good. Okay. Okay. Are you drinking this in? You're looking at me with real intensity and I'm, okay. Now, unfortunately, some people have misunderstood what's going on in terms of this thing that Paul has just explained. And some people, including, unfortunately, some early church leaders, said, no, hang on, wait a minute, there are two natures inside of you. I mean, you've seen the cartoons, there's a devil on this shoulder, and there's an angel on this one. You know, and there's like a competition going on, are you going to do good or bad? Yeah, and then there's this this struggle going on, okay? And and then they came up with this thing about the the two dogs, like you've got a, a, a black nature, an evil nature, and you've got a good nature. And so they said, actually, it's like having two dogs inside of you. Yeah? You've got a bad black dog and you've got a good white dog. This is before the days of racism. So you just, it's got nothing to do with that. See? Okay? Let's not get funny. So they said, like, hey, this sin, wickedness, darkness, if you starve that dog and you feed the white dog, what will happen is that the black dog will get weaker and your white dog will get stronger and then the white dog will then overcome and you'll get the upper hand on your sin nature. And that's what a lot of people taught. And to that we want to say, no, no, wrong. That is not what Paul is teaching here. Okay? This old sucker, he's do it. He's dead. Scripture says you have, past tense, been crucified with Christ. There's no resurrection for that chap. No, 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 no. He's dead, 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 dead. Okay? Okay. So, well, what's going on? Because, you know what? I have these like urges to go and have more sugar than I should or look at things I shouldn't. Okay, you're tracking with me. Okay, so what's that about? Isn't that my old nature? Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. When you cut something off, a limb off your body. So I cut, have my arm amputated here at the elbow. This, the rest of my arm and the hand, you 
put it on a table and see what happens to it. What's going to happen? It's going to rot. Okay, it's dead. No life is flowing to it. It's cut off. It's been removed, cut off. It's dead. It's rotten. It's going to stink. Okay? Now, there are people who've had amputations who for years and years later, they kind of still get an, an itch in their hand. But the hand's not there. It's so like they look down, what's itchy? Like there's just a little stub on the elbow here. There's no hand, but their brain is telling them, I'm itchy, scratch. It's a phantom feeling. It doesn't, it, it's not there, it's just something that you somehow remembered from the past. This thing is dead, it's been cut off, it's been removed. But there's sometimes, let me, let me go back a little bit. Sin and wickedness there is a ungodly being motivating sin and wickedness and lawlessness. Whirrings. The devil. Lucifer. Beelzebub. Okay. And, and he wants, he, when, before we were saved, before we were saved, we were slaves to sin. He was our master. He was like the great puppeteer. And he would pull our strings and we would do whatever our unrighteous father was doing. Okay, remember, Jesus confronts the Pharisees. He says, listen, you're just like your father, the devil. He's the father of lies and you guys are lying. Do you remember that? And so... Because we're born with a sinful nature, okay, when we were, before we were saved, he could pull the strings and he could make us do what he does, did and does. Does. <laughs> New word. All right, past and present all rolled into one. You know that he was cast out of heaven because he was a rebel. And so he rebels against God and he approves of rebellious behavior. So rebellion is like witchcraft. Okay, so in other words, it's all this evil spiritual stuff that is behind rebellion. Parents of teenagers don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Okay. And so he would manipulate us to doing whatever he wanted us to do. And because we were slaves to sin, he was our master. Basically, we had no real choice. We just did it. We just caved in. All right? And we did it willingly, not knowing actually what we were doing, not knowing the full implications of it. But now that we have turned, now that we have become born again, We've been raised to new life in Christ. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but now I can be 
a subject of the king of all kings. And I bow before him. Gladly, willingly. I have a new master. Sin is no longer my master. Now I'm yielding to God. And I'm living a life that pleases him. I want to do everything that will please him. Mm -hmm. So I'm no longer controlled by sin and I don't have to listen to sin. I don't have to yield and give in to whatever sin wants me to do because I have a new nature. And this nature empowers me to say no. It's like, you know, you, you start to get angry. Well, you don't have to give in to it and go into full out rage and use your fists to sort out everything. Yeah, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, that's right, yeah, okay, peace. I carry peace. That's right, he's the prince of peace. And the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear. He's making an impression in your heart and your mind and he's causing us to move in the ways of the Spirit. And so, oh yes, now I'm not gonna react like that. I'm actually gonna be filled with peace. So before I was saved, the only way I knew was just like bad language, aggression. And now he says, turn the other cheek. And it's through the grace, the empowering work of the spirit that I can do the things of the kingdom. Because I'm under his rule and reign. Not because I'm following a set of rules and regulations and I'm not doing all kinds of self-help, you know, hard work kind of, okay, do all these things, 10 steps to a calmer you. None of these self-help things. It's like, hey, it's his help. It's by him and him alone. And as I'm yielding, he will lead me to do the things that will result in a life that pleases him. Yeah? So, those phantom itches, the urging to do whatever, right? Like, get angry, look at stuff you shouldn't, eat the fifth slice of chocolate cake, not disclose fully everything to the tax man. Not pay your bills on time. Borrow stationery from the office. Yeah? Not forgive others. All these kinds of things. When the old puppet master tries to pull your strings, but the strings have been cut, you don't have to respond. It's not this sucker in the grave. It's the phantom stuff, but it's the enemy trying to control you again and bring you back over to the dark side. And so many people think, oh, it's this guy, he's coming up Whoa, out of the grave again. Nonsense, man. Dead and buried, man. Do it. Dead. Dead, dead, 
dead. Yeah? It's the enemy who's trying to pull your strings again. And you have the power to say, no, I'm not going to do that. And the Holy Spirit's going to help you to empower that no to become a reality. And the more we do that, the more we're being shaped and molded by him and his fingerprint is on that shaping and molding. His fingerprints cause us to be formed into his image. The more we look like him, the more we behave like him, the more we think like him. That's part of the whole repentance thing is to, instead of thinking, hey, that was fine, this is good, I did it my way. It's kind of like, no ways. None of that. I want to do it your way. Not my will, but yours be done. I get nervous when, okay, no. So, as we are being shaped by yielding to the Spirit of God and doing what He wants us to do, new pathways form in our brains. And those old pathways start getting overgrown. It's like if you change the pathway through a felt and instead of walking in the same way all the, t the time where the grass is flattened, okay, and you stop walking in that path, guess what happens? The grass grows back and it gets overgrown. But you create a new godly path, a new godly way of thinking in your brain. And so now what happens is as you begin to move with spirit, you create new ways, new patterns, new habits, and you become Christ-like. It's called sanctification. Your condition is changing. You see, your position, immediately you said yes to Jesus, you were saved. He said, you're right, you're righteous. There you go. So your position, before God, tick. But your condition, there are things in you, some previous patterns that need to be molded. So don't allow the world and its ways to shape and mold you, but be conformed as you are being transformed with the renewing of your mind according to the word of God. This is making sense. Yeah? And so basically, this is kind of what Paul was saying in those verses. Is that what you got? Okay. Should we read those verses again? So Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. Can you see? We died, past tense, to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay, so we're identifying with his death through the waters of baptism. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Okay, it's not the old sucker that's getting raised again. It's this new creation in Christ that's getting raised. Okay, are we happy? All right, next verse is verse five. If we have been united with him like this in his death, 
we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Okay, pause. What's he talking about? Now he's jumping right to the very end of the age. When Jesus returns and he's saying, you know what? We're going to become like him even as he had a resurrection body. We too will get a resurrection body when he returns. Okay? So, the reason I need a resurrection body is that I can be in my human earth suit in his presence and I won't be incinerated because of the glory of God. Moses, you can't see me. No one can see me and live. So, in the fullness of his glory. Well, didn't Moses speak to him face to face? Yes, but God limited the revelation of his glory so that Moses wouldn't be incinerated in the tent of meeting. Yeah? And even that was so profound, it caused his face to glow and shine. Yeah? All right, he was the first luminous believer. So, Jesus died, was buried, was raised again, but he received his resurrection body, and that resurrection body was different from the body he had before. I mean, Mary in the garden didn't recognize him. The disciples at the, at, uh, the shore, Galilee, they didn't recognize him. Jesus did some crazy things like walk through walls. This is a different kind of body. Okay? So he says, now listen, we will certainly, because he got a resurrection body, we too certainly will get our resurrection body. Okay? And this will happen when Jesus returns at the end. Now, if you're on the earth, you will be caught up when he returns. I'm giving you a little bit of an advance on the eschatology course. And you will be changed and transformed in the twinkling of an eye. You will put on your heavenly body. We will meet him in the air. And then we will come down with the bride. The, the bride is the new Jerusalem. And the new Jerusalem comes down onto the earth. So then we will come and we will rule and reign with him in a transformed earth. So just like there's a change and a twinkling of an eye in terms of our from our earth suit to our resurrection body something's going to happen to the earth and it's also going to change just like that it's going to be spectacular yeah you're going to see it one day it's going to be awesome all right so those are the people who are still alive when jesus returns who knows now the thousand years we don't know could be a few more years, we don't know. Could be next week, I doubt it, but it could be next week. We live ready, we live expectant, but there are too many promises that he said still need to be fulfilled. We don't see full unity in the body of Christ, for one. We don't see we've all grown into the fullness of the statue of Christ, for another. So we've got a bunch of things we've got to work on, I think we need a little bit of time. That's why I don't think he's coming back next week. Mm -hmm. I still have to deal with the puppet master. I don't know about you, but... So we actually got to get that thing sorted. 
The earth is waiting for the sons of God to rise up in their full glory and to be manifest. The earth is groaning, longing, waiting for this to happen. It means it's going to happen. Okay. Come back to the end. Jesus returns. When he comes, he'll come with all those who have died in Christ and gone to be with him. And they're there in the temporal state. Heaven is the temporary place waiting until Jesus returns. And then they come with him from heaven and then they get their glorious resurrection body the same as we who are still on earth rise up all get the resurrection body and then we all come down together this is awesome yeah yeah that's why we're not going to live in heaven forever that was never his plan he made the earth for us and there's a new heaven and a new earth why on earth create a new earth get it why on earth create a new earth if we weren't going to be living on the new earth? And he tells us in the back of the book, with great certainty, this is what's going to happen. City coming down. So many cubits by so many cubits, which turns out to 2,200 kilometers wide and 2,200 kilometers long and 2,200 kilometers high. That's a big city. It's a big city. And it's centered in Jerusalem. And that's where his throne will be. Mediterranean Sea ain't going to be. That goes. Let me just get your ruler out. Check how many kilometers from Jerusalem, east, west, north, south. Where's it going to be? No more Mediterranean Sea. And there's a clue in Revelation, actually. The sea will be no more. So if you're a fisherman... Well, that's the Mediterranean. Maybe there's sea elsewhere. Okay. But the point is that we're going to receive a resurrection body. Okay? That's what he's saying here. Let's go back to verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin, as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Sin is not going to master you because you are under grace. You're under the empowering work of the Spirit. And it's the Spirit of God that causes you to live in freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Galatians chapter 5. Free from what? Free from the law. Free from works. Free from trying to earn your salvation, earn your righteousness. We've been set free from that. 
Now we're free to live in the Spirit and be empowered by the Spirit. It's because we have a new nature. And this new nature qualifies us to be with Him forever. Woohoo! With a heavenly body. Okay. So, briefly, if we can do it briefly, let's nip across to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. Colossians 2 and verse 11, and it's not going to come on the screen, so you need to find your own version. In him you were also circumcised, whoopsie, in the putting off of the sinful nature, not a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith, in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with his regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it on the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what's he saying here? Very briefly, he's switching the analogy from a water baptism analogy to a circumcision analogy. And he says, listen, just like circumcision of the flesh cuts off And that bit of flesh that is cut off, just like the hand when it's cut off, put aside, will die. The bit of the old nature, he has cut it off of you. And that is dead. And Christ himself has cut that out of you. That sinful nature is gone. Hallelujah. All right? And it's not a circumcision done by hands because guess what? Circumcision was a sign of the law. He says, no, 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 no. It's not that old way, the old covenant, the law way. This is Christ doing it. It's by grace. So this cutting off and putting off of the old is what Jesus has done for us. The moment we put our faith trust in God, this is what's happened. That old chap, cut off, dead, buried, gone, no more. Yay, hallelujah. Therefore, okay, in Bible, when there's a therefore, you almost look, why is the therefore, therefore? Therefore, Okay, as a result of you not living according to rules and regulations and trying to please people and do all these kinds of things in your own human effort, striving for perfection in and of yourself. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you on what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. What's he saying? Listen, all those trappings and trimmings of the old covenant, keeping the feasts and the festivals and all of the Jewish customs is done and gone, over. 
You don't need to do it. You're a New Testament believer. You don't need to do that stuff. That stuff belongs to that which is dead and buried. Those are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Why do you still want to go and play in the shadows? Come into the light. Amen? Then don't let anyone who delights in false humility. Oh, let's go on because we're going to talk about angels. Don't have time right now. Go to verse 20. Since you died with Christ to the basic spiritual principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste, don't go to movies, don't, 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 don't. Okay, that was the whole thing that was about holiness so many years ago. It was all about rules and regulations and Christians were known about what they couldn't do instead of known for what they can do. He says, now why? You've died with Christ to the basic spiritual principles of this world. In other words, the basic things of trying to do it through your own effort. You've died to that. Why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and human teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humanity, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Why? Because you're trying to sort out the flesh by the arm of the flesh. You can't do it. It's only by the Spirit that you can move in sanctification. Okay, I'm really going to get close to God now. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm going to read my Bible for an extra 10 minutes every morning, and then I'm going to pray longer, an extra five minutes, and then I'm going to give an extra bit here. And, we're going to, and you make a list of all the things that you are going to do in your self effort to get closer to God. And God says, that stuff doesn't count because you're trying to do it through human effort. You make a list and you try to do all that stuff. God will love me more if I do this and this more. No, no, no. That's not Bible at all. While we were yet sinners, he loved us so much that Christ died for us. You didn't do anything for him and he loved you so much that he gave himself for you. You cannot do anything to make him love you more. It's a massive thing, massive thing. If we can get hold of this thing, it will transform our walk with, with Jesus. Because it takes us out of the realm of performance and effort and striving. And our human kind of like, okay, we're going to do all this for God. He says, eh, stinks. But we say, okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What would you like me to do? He says, oh, just rest in me. Oh, okay. And as we're resting in him, he says, be kind to your wife. Like, That's what you want me to do? Yeah. This pleases the Lord. Yeah. Husbands, love your wives. So be kind. Like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, your kids did something wrong? They dropped a glass and it was your favorite glass because it had some engraving on it 
and they dropped and it broke. And immediately, the puppet master wants you to get angry and give them such a thrashing that they'll never forget it. The puppet master wants you to do that because he wants to maim and injure and cause a division between the generations. And the spirit says, forgive. So from the place of resting in him, you just forgive. Not because I came up with a list of rules and regulations, I'm doing it because I'm led by the spirit. Oh, such freedom, so much freedom. Yeah? Can I tell you that the church in this continent struggles with this concept? And in fact, some of the biggest churches that even are alive churches in this country, I'm mean, like, Lisa and I were just kind of like, how does this work, man? People want to be told what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah? Get in line, otherwise, snort clap, hey? Yeah. And there are a lot of kind of like heavy handed, like, Stay in line, other, and they just heap condemnation on people who don't dress properly or whatever properly. That's not the way of the Spirit. It's kind of like we need to create a revolution. Let's come back to the revelation of Scripture. Hey, it's not through your human efforts that you're going to please God. It's by yielding to the Spirit. So I finish off my final, no, I can't say my final, one more closing. One more closing in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. Galatians 5 and verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Those who belong to Jesus will crucify? Those who belong to Jesus are busy crucifying? No, no, no. What does it say? Have past tense dead 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 they have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit those two verses side by side that thing is over this is the way we live we keep in step with the Spirit. Flate, flate. Mysterious eight. Would you stand? Holy Spirit, we're asking that the revelation, you inspired Paul to write these letters, to write these scriptures for us, to speak to us today. This is not about knowledge. This is not about information. This is not to entertain us. This is to transform us. Holy Spirit, would you be working powerfully in our hearts and our minds, our lives right now? Let the truth come and dwell inside of us so richly that it transforms heart and mind. And out of that comes a behavior and a way of living that pleases you. Every way, every day. To you be all praise, honor, and glory. And all God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you.